0: One of the things I love about the Charlotte Mason method is that you can level them up or level them down to best fit your student. And picture study is no exception. We know that it's wonderfully simple and effective in the way that we usually do it, but today Rochelle Baborina is going to join me and tell you how you can level things up if you would like to. Welcome to the Simply Charlotte Mason podcast. I'm Sonia Schaefer. Today, joining me in the studio is Rachelle Baborina. Thanks for joining me again. It's a pleasure. We want to talk about picture study today. I know you did a session at one of our SCM live events on how you can level up picture study as the kids get older and everybody just clamored. It was like, can you make that a podcast episode yeah. too? So here you go. <laughs> Why don't we start first with the fundamentals to make sure everybody knows where you start with picture study Mm -hmm. if we're going to then level
1: up. So the fundamentals are basically the same through the years. We're just going to kind of widen the field with those fundamentals as our student gets older. So we choose an artist for our term, Mm -hmm. and then we have about six six reproductions to look at, and so perhaps we begin with a small short biography of the artist. Then we choose a work of art. The children look at it for a certain amount of time until they can see it in their mind's eye. It's then turned over, and they tell all they can remember about it. So an act of narration. Yes. Once they've done that, the picture is turned back over we can look for any details we might have missed. And another reason that we look at that picture another time at the end of our picture study is that we want the work of art itself to leave the lasting impression on the child's mind. Oh
0: yes, rather than what they thought they saw and leave it there vaguely, mm-hmm. make sure they, they get mm-hmm. the confirmation or clarification of it, mm-hmm. but then also make sure they're interacting firsthand with that picture yes at the end. Mm -hmm. And then I like to post it on display somewhere the rest of the week, so they can look at it Mm -hmm. as much as they want to. And I love how all those things are included in the picture study portfolios. The biographies, the beautiful reproductions, all of that stuff is gathered for us, hooray. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the fundamentals, that's where you Mm -hmm. begin. How can we
1: then expand on that? Right, well the child could be asked after the narration, an older child can be asked to do a rough sketch of the picture that was studied. Now, how we do that is by squinting. And this oh, is- Oh, now this is interesting, okay. So this is a method that plein air or painters who paint outdoors use as well because we have a lot of data in this picture and we want the rough- okay, Let sketch. me grab a picture. Sure, Let's go just ahead. grab it. You
0: want a Monet? Yes. Okay. Let's use oh, this is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. This one work for you? Yes. That's okay, great. here you go.
1: Okay. Well, first I'll tell you that, that an artist out painting out of doors has a lot of data that, it's, that he's bringing in he or she is looking at. And so an art, a landscape artist will actually squint to kind of close out some of that, those things that they're seeing, and then that way they can find the main or the chief lines in the landscape. Oh, to look for chief lines. Okay, explain chief Mm -hmm. lines. So chief lines could be the, the most important, the main lines in a composition. And so this is why when a landscape artist is working, they'll often kind of make a box with their hands. And instead of painting this huge panorama, they are going to focus on one aspect. And then they will also squint so that they can see these shapes. So like, I'm
0: assuming the horizon would be one the chief line. The horizon could be
1: one chief line, definitely. And, a and tree, I'm it. thinking
0: of Monet's other one um, with his poplar trees that are mm-hmm. all in the line. Those right. would be chief lines? Yes,
1: those would be chief lines. And then we get, so those are all we're going to do in the rough sketch with our children. Is we're going so to So what are have the chief them, lines in this one? So I would be holding it out further so out here, I, uh-huh. right, and I would squint my eyes so I can only have those, those chief, those largest forms and the main heaviest lines. And when I'm looking at this, I've never done this one before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing a horizontal line here at the top at of the top.
0: of the buildings, uh-huh. and then
1: we we have some vertical lines running up.
0: The path that the goes path to the, the way house. Way okay. And so
1: when I'm looking at this now, as, as someone who's done this before, I see the composition is actually a cross. And that's an archetypal composition in painting, which this will help the children discover for themselves oh. these types of compositions. Because, that's
0: such a Charlotte yes. Mason principle right there. Mm-hmm. They do so much of that. Okay. Right,
1: that self-discovery. And so your child can either be doing this on a chalkboard with chalk, a crayon, or in one color of watercolor. Just kind of squint, see, and then draw. Okay, we've got these. Those those two chief lines. Chief lines, Mm -hmm. okay. And then we have this form here, and then we have maybe some ovals here.
0: So you're just doing- Very rough sketches. Rough rough shapes, really.
1: Nothing labored over. The lines could be organic and flowing they could be straight we could have circular lines we could have zigzag lines depending on the artist think of edward hopper who had very geometric lines okay and then we have a little more um, little more organic lines with with monet
0: with the flowers, the flowers. yeah yeah interesting mm-hmm. what age would you start doing something like
1: that usually so, or you know mm-hmm. roughly every child okay. is an individual of course You can already start incorporating this uh, with your six year old or even having him draw something from memory after the narration. But you don't have to use this every time. It's just every once in a while to get them used to finding these chief lines. And we aren't introducing words like we use, like composition, um, you know, form, value, tone, things like that. We aren't talking about this, but on their own, they're going to be discovering shape form color lines. So the main thing we're going to say is draw the
0: chief lines. Yes. And they do it with just one color. This is not reproduce the picture.
1: Right. This isn't being, it's not detailed. We don't want to labor over this. It only takes a few minutes. And just every once in a while. Every once in a while. Right. And then our student gets used to this. Now when we talk about kind of really leveling up, that's that's the high school years, okay, and that's when a student's going to be giving a more detailed drawing, or their narration could become a written narration. It could be a written narration with a rough sketch. It, ah. So our forms of narration have widened out. So
0: describe Monet's picture of the garden at Vituel,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, in writing and right. give me a rough sketch of Mm -hmm. the chief lines or would you go more at that point?
1: So it could, we have a lot of options in high school. It could (laughs) be of the chief lines, it could be a more detailed drawing or painting. And remember that um, our students have had art lessons as well through the years, Mm. so they can be incorporating what they've learned in their art lessons into this. So um, if they've learned some of Monet's technique, they could, but what a lesson would usually look like in this case would would be looking at that picture again, same thing. This time, the form of narration widens. So I guess you could have written narrations already when your student has begun written narrations, if they'd like to write their narration, or if they'd like to write their narr- narration and give a rough sketch. If they'd like to spend the whole time, their whole narration time, Making more detailed drawing or painting, that's another option. And a student could also be asked to narrate the picture in poetry form. Oh, yes.
0: Oh, yeah. I've thought about, you know, write your narration in poetry form, but mm-hmm. I never connected it to describe the picture in poetry yes. form. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a level up right there. Right? Oh, I'm just, just—I'm my mind is going through, how would I... Make a poem out of mm-hmm. the garden at Vitul. Yeah. Wow.
1: And, I mean, I think that it, what it does is it also widens the field of art appreciation for the student. So it's not always simply look and then tell back. Yeah. This, this time, the this student can even, a high school student who has had these types of narrations, different forms of narrations, as we know in literature, a student could be, their na- narration could be a drawing or a brush drawing of a scene from their literature That's reading. That's true, yeah, so it goes both mm-hmm. ways. Right, it always crosses over, I feel <laughs> it <does>. like. <laughs> it does. Everything
0: you're doing on the right-hand side is laying a foundation for what you could do on the left-hand yes. side and vice
1: versa. Mm-hmm. It's so brilliant. Yes. And I do think that that helps the student uh, from ever saying, do I have to narrate? Mm. Because we have a lot more options with our narrations than, than simply look at the picture and tell back, which is a wonderful thing. Yeah, uh, that's I the def- fundamental, yes. yes. And that's what helps the student, you know, hang that picture in the gallery of his mind. Yes. Right? Is that um, assimilation, telling back.
0: Now, also in the high school years, you had mentioned some kind of art history book. Yes. How does that come into mm-hmm. play?
1: So in high school, it's in the it's no longer called picture study. Now we can call it art appreciation. The lessons are longer, 30 to 45 minutes. Oh, okay. So what you'll want to do is you'll choose a good survey of, or or a book on a school of art so you have yeah i found a
0: few on my shelf i've got uh the story of painting by jansen and jansen
1: that's great and it's illustrated and it reads like a story as you go through a survey from cave drawings all the way up to the modern era
0: yeah what what was modern when this was written Mm -hmm. yes um it wouldn't go up to 2023
1: but so yeah that would be considered contemporary art and okay and I mean unfortunately I'm trying to think I haven't found one that I would ac- absolutely suggest coming all the way up to today you're going to have to find to find those all of the books that I would consider really living that I know about and if if your viewers have um things they can recommend we would certainly take them oh, yeah. but um Gombrich The Story of Art is another it's a survey um but again it goes up to modern which is mm-hmm about the 1950s, Okay. and then anything beyond the 50s, we would consider contemporary art. Gotcha. I also
0: found that Van Loon, Mm -hmm. the arts. Now, maybe we should give some disclaimers for Van Loon. (laughs) He writes in a very living way.
1: Yes. But he's got an attitude. (laughs) He has an attitude, he has a particular sense of humor that I have to say that um, my boys really loved. (laughs) So he's kind of tongue-in-cheek. Yes. Mm, he definitely has his opinions. So I would say that um, the story of art by Gombrich is is considered a classic. It's told in story form. I think it's very lovable. Uh, there are definitely shorter sections, and it's never condescending. Um, mm. But he doesn't judge, and he doesn't condescend. So... Um, So that's one of the reasons that I do recommend that book. Another one is Hillier, if you love... Oh, yeah, Child's History of the World. Right, then you might also love The Child's History of Art. And I just have to say that, um, though it's for children, that adults high schoolers will enjoy it as well. Oh yeah, it's such Mm -hmm. a living book. All ages enjoy it. Yes, I would say the Gumbrick is definitely high school level reading though.
0: So what that is going to do, if I'm understanding correctly, Mm -hmm. throughout um, all of the years leading up to high school, they've been studying individual artists and putting them in their book of centuries Mm -hmm. so they can see which ones were contemporary with each other. But then in this art history book, now we're going to see the different schools and, yes. and look at them almost as groups, right? Right.
1: They're going to be placed in a little more historical context. So they're going to be, they've been gaining, our students have been gaining historical knowledge. Yes. Now we're going to be putting this into even more historical t- context with the reading. So a lesson could look like this. You assign your high school student a reading on one of the schools, a a section, perhaps, on the Impressionists. Okay. Right, so the student has read that section on his own, and now he is going to provide a narration for that section. He could narrate orally to you, or it could be in writing. Now, when the student comes to the lesson, you're going to choose, choose an Impressionist from your picture study portfolios, and rather than just taking one picture, for that week, your student gets to pull out all of the reproductions and study all six or seven of Monet's reproductions that you have here. All at the same time, just spread them all out. Mm
0: -hmm. Even though he's already studied them before and is somewhat familiar with them, actually that's a bonus that he's familiar with Mm -hmm. them. So you're laying out all of the pictures at once and then what does he do?
1: Well, he'll, He'll look them over, kind of study them all, and then he can choose one that he prefers that he would like to study more in depth. So say your student picks my favorite. Which, picks your yes. Favorite. Yes. Gets double dessert tonight for doing that. <laughs> Never mind, no. <laughs> now, now he'll take some time to really look at that picture. Now he's going to make a detailed drawing of that picture.
0: Okay, let me stop you there Mm -hmm. because there's the famous passage in Charlotte's writings that the student should not duplicate the master's works. Right. What's the difference?
1: Okay. So what Charlotte Mason's talking about here is that we don't don't want the child to just simply try to make a copy. What we're doing here can be likened to nature study. We're Mm. going to be observing. We're going to be... Uh, looking really intently at it and we're going to bring what we know about it into our detailed drawing. I say detailed, it can be done in monochrome. It it doesn't have to, to be the actual colors, but you're just going to take a more detailed look. And what this does is we're not, this isn't an art lesson that we're trying to teach our child how to become a painter. What we're going to do here is we're going to this is this activity helps the child see the decisions that the art that the artist made himself when building up his picture. Oh. so we're going to take a look at at the light and the shadow. So if we're doing this in monochrome watercolor, say we pick sepia or burnt Sienna, as it's called today. Um, for those the, of us who are not artistic, that means brown, right? <laughs> okay, thank you. And then just <laughs> just using the just with the amount of water, that's how we'll get our picture to be lighter in some areas and you know darker in the others so in this way the student by making a more detailed reproduction is going to be looking at the decisions that an artist would make in in composition in line in form in shapes what we said before you know is this Are these going to be, are strong diagonal lines, or is this going to be flowing more organic? And it's going to be helping make an impression in the student's mind, as well as perhaps a love for this work of art.
0: Hmm. I love that. And so they're not being distracted by making sure they mix the color to match exactly every little Mm -hmm. piece. It is more, as you said, the picture as a composition, the whole thing. Yes. Okay. I, oh right. yeah, that's great so as they're going through the high school years, how often would they do you want to try and get them to read the and narrate and find a picture to mm-hmm. study in depth for every school, or are we just okay. you know how often are we doing a school a term what what kind of guideline okay. can you give
1: all right so uh you can you can give a school a term, you can match that. That school of painting. So, this is one of the things that I love about these picture study portfolios.
0: Is that oh, yes. It the gives timeline. the
1: timeline ancient, medieval, Renaissance, Baroque, and modern. So, if you are studying, it doesn't have to line up. I do want to say that. But if you are in the modern era, then you might choose to study the modern era of painting as well. And so, you could go to your shelf and pick out all of the picture study portfolios of the modern era. And then for that term, your student could be reading about that particular artist as well as the school. So we start with the school, assign some reading. We do what we just talked about with Monet. The next time the student has assigned reading um, further into Impressionism in the art history book, and then the student can choose, or you can choose, another of the Impressionists And now when your student is doing a narration, they can start to compare and contrast, say, Cassatt with Monet. Yes. And then at the end of the term, they could have a written narration assigned on Impressionism as a whole, which is just a written narration when we ask for an essay.
0: Right, right. Their exam could be, yeah, tell me about Impressionism. I love the idea of letting that older student, that high school student have a say in yes. which artist they're gonna dig deeper mm-hmm. into. Charlotte did that with a lot of areas, giving yes. those students choices,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which especially when you have boys,
1: yes, it's, it's a big thing. <laughs> My boys really like to make those choices, so it could be a choice in literature. So for this time period, are you going to read, are you going to choose a pick uh, book on, uh, of Charles Dickens or Jane Austen? So there are choices to be made. And with our art appreciation in high school, the student gets to choose his or her favorite or preferred reproduction to study in more detail.
0: Now, let's get very practical. We've got our high school student who is doing this art study, if we want to call it that, art history studies. Mm -hmm. Are they also participating in regular picture study with the younger students so
1: i would i would really encourage family picture study to continue right yes because okay. you you could the students are still just like they're always in the same time and yes. era of history yeah. that gives them things to talk about and so with picture study though with your young children they might it might take just five five minutes, right? right, for a picture study. Right. To do with the to yeah. do the fundamentals, yeah. the fundamentals, and then your older student can do his reading, make his detailed. His individual work right. on the side, but he
0: can have mm-hmm. both of those, the best of both worlds. Right, <laughs> I think sense. so, yeah. I
1: think so. I mean, I only had two boys, but um, they were a few years apart, and so we were always kind of studying that same era, at least. Yes, I
0: love that. Anything else you want to share with our listeners about art
1: appreciation in the high school years? Mm-hmm. Why is this important? So, Charlotte tells us that we can never even imagine the importance that even one picture hanging in the gallery of a child's mind can have across their entire life. Mm-hmm. So, that's one of the big reasons I think picture study is important is it could come the beauty and appreciation of the art is something that will be with them throughout their entire lives. Now, even if the student isn't artistic, um, these are all activities that the student is doing that isn't made based on what they can do as an an artist. This is based on looking at the artist in history um, and the things that that artist has expressed uh, one of the things that really hit home for me was the first time I went to an art museum, which I was 19, I think, the first time I went to an art museum. And I saw one of Claude Monet's haystacks. Mm. Now, growing up in northeast Iowa, there are haystacks all around me. Yes. And I never saw the beauty of them until I saw them through Monet's eyes. And that really helped me appreciate the haystacks at home.
0: Yes, it gives you, it it shapes how you view the world. As Charlotte Mm -hmm. said, we can never imagine the the power that one of those pictures might have in shaping Mm -hmm. how that person views the world, seeing the beauty in the world around us. I love that. And I love how the parent doesn't have to be this wonderful artist or artificionado or anything like that in order to lead the student through these methods that you've outlined.
1: Right, we give the child opportunity and we get to be their guide. And yes. so we will guide them in the methods, but we don't stand between the artwork and- And the student, <laughs> And That's the right. student, just like we, we let the author speak to the student in a living book, we let the, the work of art speak to the student. I love it. Thanks for
0: sharing these great ideas with us. You're welcome. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you next time.